We know, we know there, there are, are other dimensions, dimensions than this one, but this is the dimension where we live, and we will not live in fear. interesting one i yeah we'll, we'll get to that we'll get to yeah, that. yeah yeah introduce us well with it yes this is <laughs> this is panelism the show uh mainly about talking about the graphic novels and comics worth having on your shelf but now a whole lot more um we need to probably tweak that intro more officially i guess my name's taylor trask i'm todd a and we're back this is a watching episode this is panelism watching colon watchmen uh, specifically the HBO series, which has now gone through episodes four and five. And um, yeah, if, you, if you're following along, this is uh, episode four is titled, If You Don't Like My Story, Write Your Own. And episode five was, of course, fear, Little Fear of Lightning. Now, just uh, like overall, what, what were you still feeling five episodes into it? More excited, I, less excited, same excited? I'm liking it more and more. Because yeah. as it goes, they are revealing ever more of the original Watchmen graphic novel, which is oh kind of cool because I didn't know how far they would dip into that. You know, we got, we got Lori Blake, we got, you know, her, but and there's little touches here and there, but now that, now that we're getting our full Vite, you know, they're going full Vite on us. And so that's, that's been really enjoyable. And then, and then of course, last night we're recording this on a Monday, right after episode five, of course, last night, spoilers, obviously, yeah, we yeah. finally get the squid Holy depicted on shit. film. Like, like the thing that Zack Snyder was too scared to do. Uh, the show uh, did it, and it was in a way that I didn't even expect. I was like, "Holy God!" Oh yeah, it was amazing. And can I say something really, uh, probably not controversial at all? You may. But I, I, Snyder's excuse. You and I are big. I mean, we we liked the Snyder movie. Yeah. Like we're not. I love that. Um, yeah. Um, we're not we're not bashing on it, but as I recall, now maybe this wasn't Snyder, maybe this is studio was like it'll be too hard to explain the squid ending, so mm-hmm. come up with something more conventional like a that weapon. Seems well, and especially one and, connected to one of the one of the other heroes. So it's like this was a weapon based on Doctor Manhattan's power in the movie, and yeah. it and had this it was explained so neatly. Yeah, with in a like no time. Imagine. Yeah. If Adrian Veidt's speech from this episode had come after the credits of Watchmen. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like if, if the squid had hit and everyone's like, what the fuck was that? And then the after credits happens. Oh, man. Yeah. That would have yeah. been incredible. It was I awesome. Well, it. It just, but it was like, you know, having having absorbed, obviously, the original text and then several aspects of the before Watchmen series, which I've talked about before, um, do... Con- do concern themselves with the creation of the squid, especially the Ozymandias. Oh, um, really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's it's all. It really delves into like how he puts it to you know creates it. There's things in the original text that Alan Moore writes in terms of like you know he he took the brain of a psychic and all these kinds of things. But that um, before watching book really kind of delves into it. So I've been increasingly more interested mm. in seeing the squid you know presented cinematically. Now, did uh, you know we were gonna get? the squid god no no i you know not like that i mean i thought yeah. they would eventually maybe reference it a little bit more deliberately but yeah. never did i think there'd be an actual flashback yeah that then almost cloverfield style like gives you like oh my god there it is and just it felt way more realistic than i anticipated especially yeah. especially when our uh, our young looking glass walks out of the um the hall of mirrors and he sees just like, you know, just dead, you know, basically dead bodies everywhere. Their ears, their eyes, their nose bleeding to death from just oh my complete God. mental despair. And they weren't even in the immediate impact zone. They were, you know, Hoboken was across the way a little bit. So it wasn't like they were right, you know, right there. But just the fact right. that it, it was that big, 
you know, it was that devastating. I mean, 10, you know, a hundred times more devastating than the ending of the Watchmen movie, which, you know, story-wise got us to where we needed to go largely, but I just, it, the, you, you don't get, here's the biggest difference. The Adrian Veidt who did that in the movie seems a lot more sane than the Adrian Veidt who did this in the show, especially when you get oh, yeah. a DH Jeremy Irons giving like his best David Miscavige impression in a video <laughs> where he's just, you know, just going on and on and on about like, you know, this is the right thing to do. And we're you know, reshaping the world. I was like, Oh yeah. God, now I'm, now I have a whole different take on Adrian Veidt than I did before. Yeah. I, one of the little details I loved was, um, uh, in the episode, uh, what do you want to call it? Like the, you know, the tiny text that accompanies the episode on HBO. Now they mm -hmm. didn't even use Adrian's name. They said, meanwhile, or, or sorry, it's far away. The smartest man in the world plots a daring escape. And it's like all caps, smartest man in the world, like title uh, case. And it, it was so like, uh, I, you know, it was just, for me, it set it up like, because in the last few episodes where you've seen him doing these weird experiments, you're thinking he's on a, um, you know, there's, there's one shot where like he throws the body through the cloud and then it pans out, it pulls back really dramatically and you're looking at the moon. And so it's, it's telegraphed pretty hard that he's on a moon somewhere. Um, and, but I was still thinking like, Oh, he's no longer the smartest man in the world. I may have even said this in our last podcast. Like he's, he's lost it. He's crazy. And then he pulls this insane plot off, which we'll get to, I'm sure. But I was like, Oh no, he's an evil genius. <laughs> yeah, totally. And then it makes now it makes perfect sense. Why Jeremy Irons was cast. I always yep. thought that was a little bit like, well, that's an interesting choice. I'm, I'm, willing to see where this goes and it's been kind of fun up to this point but it's like oh that's why that's why you cast him because he does that really really well um let's go back though it's it's episode four begins with the introduction of another new character lady true um in of course dramatic fashion and it's it's she walks into this farmhouse and we're introduced to this lovely couple who i'm i was almost like i want to see a I want to see a series about their story they look so cute and oh she comes in and it's just like you know uh, I'm gonna buy your property. I'm like what? And she, before she does this, she obviously turns her over the the hourglass, like really ornate hourglass, and proceeds to have this like high level strategy discussion with them. Where at the end of it, she buys their property. Um, what do you, Todd? What do you think she's up to? This is I I cannot peg her to save my life. Like I I just can't. Anything I think of it just doesn't make any sense. I, I yeah, me too. Um, and one of the best scenes there i thought with lady true was when she speaks to angela in vietnamese yeah and angela responds and it was like your grandfather wants to know if you got the pills if you got his pills and it was like i, I just thought that was such a cool little touch of like figuring out where everyone stood yeah. you know yeah. um but I, there's some tie to adrian right to Vite. i mean she's bought his company yeah but is there something does she know where he is I mean, she has a statue of him in her garden. Right, right. So there's that obviously some kind of some. Well, and for a hot second, I thought maybe we're seeing, like, maybe we're seeing Adrian Veidt in a different timeline entirely, and like she's frozen him in carbonators. I mean, who knows? There's any number of things that could happen. And never trust Damon Lindelof to give you consecutive timelines, right. you know, within the same story. But she has some kind of appreciation for him. Obviously, she bought his company. I'm assuming after he went missing. Um, they swooped in and bought Vite Industries. So she's got all this stuff, but she's building this giant, you know, gigantic millennium clock thing in the middle of Oklahoma, which she says is because you know, all the other wonders of the world are built in precarious places, you know, flood zones, earthquake yeah. zones. This is guaranteed to last the generations. Pardon me. <clears throat> and so we're like, what is, well, what is that clock? What is that for? Like what? And she, you know, they're just like, it tells time. I'm like, well, clearly more than that. Um, right. And I would just... I'm putting together more pieces. I would assume now um, that we meet, sorry, what's the Senator's name? Um, and he Keen. in, in number five, episode five, where he says something to mirror ball, um, mirror face about mirror guy. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, tinfoil hat guy that he says something about like, you know, we just need a little more time to get this like in play. Like there's some conspiracy thing. I think that lady true and um, Keen are in on together. Mm. Uh, um, yeah. But here's the anyway, difference. So, like you yeah. know, in the original, in the original 
Watchmen book, the stakes were global. Russia and America are going to blow each other up with nuclear weapons, and there goes the world. And so the central problem to be solved that Adrian Veidt builds the squid to, you know, sort of solve in his own twisted, maniacal way is to basically create something so shocking the world calms the fuck down and stops flirting with disaster. In this story, the stakes are much, much, much more personal, much smaller. So I can't, I'm having a hard time juxtaposing that with this, you know, this almost like Bond villain-esque giant thing you know, being built. I mean, Lady True is basically a Bond villain. You yeah. Know? I mean, it's yeah. It, in, in every way possible. So it's like, oh, and she's building this crazy thing. Like, how does that square with very small personal familial stakes? You know, whether it be Angela personally and her grandfather or the town or, you know, just or the police force. It's just, it's, it's a very different kind of thing. So I'm sure we'll be able to go back in hindsight and go, ah, I see. If Lindelof sticks the landing, as we talked about last time. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's, it's interesting to consider kind of just all these things in motion. Are you, were you surprised to see a character like Lady True introduced, not late in the game, but this far along? It actually felt really, um, the, it felt like the right time. Okay. You know, it was like, I, I would have gotten a little tired of it if we kept going, like digging down the, the Angela story without new elements coming in and getting, and I, even in episode four, I didn't feel like any mystery was sort of like put on a little bit. I don't know. I just, I, I still felt like, I don't know how, you know, what's the relationship here between her grandfather and lady true and et cetera. Cause we know at the end of the episode, we see them together and he stands up and walks. We haven't seen him do that before. And, um, you know, it was just, uh, it was just enough to kind of like, open that that mystery up a little bit i you know i didn't want to see any more of her uh with her homemade dna tests and stuff like it yeah. had to expand a little bit it was like a, it was like rick sanchez like you know when 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 the when the rick and morty episode where summer's in the car and they go into the miniverse and he's like car keeps summer safe and it just keeps escalating its tactics to keep the you know keep police away and stuff and at one point all the police are surrounding the car and summer has instructed it not it can't kill the police or hurt them so it goes, it goes, you're working on psychological countermeasures and this little pod pops out and a young boy gets out and it's like the dead son of the police officer. And then he turns to goo immediately and, and the car is like, your loved ones can be returned. They can be taken away. And I just had that flashback like while watching this, like what the hell, how, how advanced is her tech that she's able just to generate, you know, generate these just crazy scenarios. And what do you think she wants all this land for? What do you think that's? Because something crashes and we never find out what that is. Yeah, I, a lot, I, a lot of little things just kind of left there that were that don't really come back around again anytime soon. Yeah, and honestly, last week after that episode, I was probably a lot more puzzled by it. And then last night's episode happened, and I can't put enough. <laughs> like I can't even. I'm just like, I, I'm just so st I'm still stunned by all of that. Like I was just shouting last night as I watched it and rewatched scenes. You know. Um, well, let's let's talk more so, specifically about last night. Like, I did like, want to bring up one oh, cool cool flip between Lady True and then this episode, which is that like you bring up that how she's introduced and she late at night knocks on this um, couple's door, wants to buy their farm, but what she wants to buy it for is not money, although yeah. she ha she has an offer of money. It's the child that they could never have, and not only that, she is uh, not. I mean, engineered, I guess, is the technical word, but it seems like not in an Adrian Veidt way, but in uh, normal, I don't know, you know, um, fertility clinic kind of way has used DNA samples or uh, sperm and egg samples that they gave many years ago and created a child with their DNA. Um, and basically she's like, here's I'm going to give you this child and uh, a check in order for you to get off this land um, or it sounds like, doesn't she say something like, or I'll just destroy the child or something like yeah, that? Or I'm yeah. sure someone else will want it or whatever. And so you're, you're like, Oh so my jokes God. About like, yeah, so you're like, She's like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Kidding. Right. 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 And it's, it just, it's so horrible in that moment. And then in this episode, Wade or looking glass goes to visit his ex wife who's cloning dogs. Yeah. And this one dog is off and she just throws it in like, an incinerator after she's like you want it he's like right like okay but it's this terrible like echoing of the last episode like 
aren't these supposed to be the good guys? I wonder if that's you one know? of those things. I actually strangely didn't notice that juxtaposition. Mm. I'm wondering if those if there are details like that that will be rewarding that are built for watching it again all the way through back to back to back and binging it. Oh yeah. Some yeah. of that stuff, you know, you think about the Netflix shows where, or the boys as a great example. So it's like you binge the boys, but you can definitely see some really specific kind of mirroring from episode yeah. to episode. That's more apparent when you're watching it back to back. I wonder if that's not the case here, which is even cooler because then it'll just, it'll reward repeat viewings after this is all after the season's done. Yeah. I do feel like this is going to be a show where we're going to want to go back and watch, um, not only to see what we missed, but to kind of, uh, I guess it's the same kind of thing I'm about to describe, but to see how well they planted clues and mysteries and things like that. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, yeah. So <laughs> I could just talk about the squid and the Adrian Veidt sequence. Well, let's, let's do that. Show. But I, I was very happy to see a Wade episode, Wade centric episode. Cause he, oh, yeah, me too. He's, he'd been proving to be, he was either going to be really one note and just sort of like a Rorschach stand in, which, you know, is fine, but it's, it was nice to see his backstory and exactly a very logical reason why he's looking less. It's not like yeah, he just chose yeah. because it was cool. It's like, no, no, no. I survived because I was naked in a hall of mirrors when the worst shit ever went down. Yeah. And I'm going to continue to wear that like almost as a symbolic armor, but yeah. then actual literal armor, um, when I'm out in the field, cause he was wearing it, you know, to protect his identity, but also to protect him thinking that this was going to happen again at any time. And I, I mean, just so many parts of that, like the, the details of the, of the, um, bunker being revealed. Yeah. And I, when Angela goes to that bunker in an earlier episode and just sort of knocks on the door and he answers, I didn't suspect he had a normal house. I thought like, Oh, this weirdo just oh, lives yeah. underground. You know, I didn't yeah. put it together. Like that's his squid shelter. I thought um, the same thing, actually. That's a good point. And yeah, and I so, thought he was more just like a, cause, yeah, because they presented him more just like a, uh, almost like a sovereign citizen kind of guy, yeah. which is, you know, like living in a I've got bunker. a fallout shelter, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, you know, finding out that he's running these drills and like all this, like how he's really, really terrified of this thing. Yeah. Um, And I loved all the little details around the uh, alarm company that he's using, which is called EDS which I don't know is explained anywhere, but I assume means extra dimensional security. <laughs> Do you think and that it, that's a real company or is that just like one of those like placebo things that they're creating? Cause there's idiots who will buy them. Do you think it actually? Oh, works? Oh, oh, that's a great question. Right. Right. Like in the world, like, is this like, uh, um, a pet insurance for the Jehovah's Witnesses. Yeah. <laughs> their, their pets will be abandoned when they ascend to heaven. Yes, exactly. Right. Um, I, that's, yeah, that's interesting. I, but there is that funny, there's that funny conversation when he's calling up the tech and he's like, I've run 500 drills, you know, in the last one. And they're like, Whoa, Whoa. <laughs> it's only meant for once every three months, sir. Yeah. What are you doing? Exactly. Imagine, um, imagine getting like a, a nest fire alarm and then just every day hitting it like three or four times. Just right. Continuously. Right. Um, so it seems that they have calibrated it to work on some level. I think uh, he did. I think I remember him saying either to Angela in a previous or in a previous episode, when the little mini squid range storm happened, his alarm picked it up or he was monitoring uh, for that. See? One of those things I want to go back and watch. Yeah. yeah. Cool, but let's talk about that. That I cannot figure out what that little mini squid storm was. It's not like Adrian set it like a timer. So every three years, there's yeah. going to be a little mini storm just to keep you online. Like that was never. Well, do we think it? it has something to do with this teleporter where that Keen acknowledged they were using to, you know, are they testing things and they just keep Maybe. having these squid storms? That's a good um, idea. I don't remember also if in an earlier episode. I know there's sort of like a news story that I think talks about a squid storm. You know, it's like maybe in the background or something. And I don't know if it's like across the country or centered in Oklahoma. Mm. Um, no, I remember. You're right. Yeah, I forget exactly. So another clue. I got to go back and see if what I remember from it. Um, They've done a really good job by only presenting Tulsa. I mean, we've seen D.C. Yes, I agree. You know, briefly. We saw New York in a flashback. But they have really... They're like, I mean, they're doing a good job of going, those places don't matter in this story. This story is about Tulsa and it's very specifically about Tulsa. Yeah. Which I yeah, find yeah. fascinating. Yeah. And it's, I mean, I think that's part of how they're, I mean, I just, <laughs> how well developed 
the Looking Glass character and Wade are. Like that's, yeah. I mean, what an amazing backstory. And to tell it all in an hour and yeah. how it fits in with the clues we've learned about, you know, like we've seen the bunker before and we, we know about the, you know, the tinfoil kind of Looking Glass mask and all that. And like, but just to have it all come together and have a reason for it all was unbelievable. Even even something as like, why is he so good at figuring out when people are lying or telling the truth? Yeah. It's because he suffered the most humiliating experience ever because he trusted somebody. Yeah. So of course he's going to like devote his life to, you know, writing that sin. And then by yeah. that, at the same point, he survived. He survived it by being in this. So it's, it's just, it's so, yeah. all the very rich character fleshed out even more and then expertly played, of course, by Tim Blake Nelson, who just, God, great. What a perfect melding of character and actor. I mean, oh, yeah. as good as the um, Jackie Earl Haley was as Rorschach in the yeah. movie. And honestly, uh, I, I unfortunately in that like first episode or two thought like, oh, man, they're just kind of doing a Rorschach ripoff. Yeah, and same. like, you know, it's just fear. I just feared that like, is that what this is going to be? Is like echoes of the Watchmen. And no, he has like made this his own in this just incredible incredible way and and you know the writers have too i think it's it's so cool i wonder if we're um, gonna get a red scare back background story i don't know why we would he's not really been front of center he's more supporting character but yeah uh, i like that actor that actor who plays him is in a bunch of cool stuff i like oh um, okay limitless with bradley cooper mm. um he's the main kind of mobster bad guy hell on wheels if you're familiar with that show yeah he's, i like that guy yeah. We don't really see his face much, but you can definitely tell. But I mean, you clearly the that voice belongs to that guy. Oh, Let me ask you this. Well, so, so when we get to when we get back to Adrian Veidt again, yes, he's obviously. I mean, he's made more servants since last we saw him. You can yes. kind of get a sense of time by how many duplicates there are roaming right. around. We we had just two, and then you know, last episode four, and now there's like thirty of them. Now, I, I believe in episode three or something when we saw the incubator deal. Yeah. I think he said something like, I'm not the one making you. Well, he's he's picking the babies out of a cabbage yeah. patch or some <clears> such <throat> thing. Yeah. And he's, he's, he's expediting their growth. Yeah. Um, I mean, the easiest thing to think is, is uh, Dr. Manhattan, when he left Earth, says, I'm tired of Earth. I think I'm going to go like create some, 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 some new life. He specifically mm, yeah, talked yeah. about making other life. I'm wondering if this isn't. Yeah. One of those experiments, and for some reason in the past, Adrian Veidt gave him reason to put him there, but he couldn't kill him. I don't know. For uh, I just I mean, who else would have imprisoned him in sort of yeah. a, a fishbowl where he could survive, but you know not have access to current technology or you know anything like that. It's just that. Here's the other question. I did. I had to look on Wikipedia when he finally gets out there, and you realize he's on the surface of what I what I assumed was Europa, but then confirmed again that it was Europa. He starts to spell something with all the frozen yeah. dead bodies that he's chucked out there, which <laughs> I'm like, my first question was, did he plan that? Or was that just, oh, since they're here? I mean, I, I'd like to think the former. He was just chucking bodies and going, well, if I if if I can prove that I, you know, I can survive out there, then I'll use them to do something. But I didn't know yeah, what he was no, spelling I, until, I, until I just saw like a half a word. So he spelled save me. Did you yeah. notice that? Yeah. And in fact, because uh, I rewatched that whole sequence because I was just so uh, amused by it, um, that I think it was all deliberate. Like, and I maybe I'm giving the smartest man in the world too much credit, um, but I, to me, the, you know, whether this was luck or just how he will pretend it's luck or or his own planning or whatever. Like when he comes through, he looks at his watch, then he sets about collecting the bodies and breaking them up to spell save me. Then the satellite passes by. And you can actually, in the reflection of the lens, see that it says "Save Me" backwards. Oh, okay. And then he's looking at his watch again, and I think he knew, like, hey, the satellite makes a pass at this hour, and that's why this watch, you know, that because we had talked about some of those weird rituals he had, like there's always the birthday cake, and there's always like, I kind of think this was all, these were all sort of clues to like how he was ritually keeping time and stuff to know when that thing happened. Happened. I wonder if he's repeating so the he, same year. Yeah, I mean, it almost might be the uh, Groundhog Day sort of scenario you suggested. Because we don't, I mean, it's a little tricky to see him age in four years in a way that would be noticeable. So, plus it's more fun to think that, oh, he's just in a in a loop where he can't do anyone harm. But then 
Dr. Mahan's like, you know, we might need him again someday. So let's keep him alive. I, I just, I, this is all clearly leading towards some sort of reveal of Dr. Manhattan. Like the, the show is doing a really good job of painting a big hole where he, you know, basically creating his absence. Yeah. And the only, I mean, the only satisfying end to that is to fill that absence with the actual character, even if it's, you know, sort of a, a quick, kind of not blinking you'll miss it but just sort of you know maybe a, a more subtle thing like the squid which was a, a, a very effective yet still sort of subtle you know it wasn't the focal point <laughs> of that i mean subtle in the fact that it wasn't like you know the whole episode's building up to the it's just like holy crap there it is and we're moving on it's like oh, oh okay uh for sure and then you're sort of stuck i, I wonder if that's not going to be looking at the episode titles to yeah. come next the next one is titled this extraordinary being which I think is a big head fake. I think see how they fly is probably, or no, a God walks into a bar that has got to be, I'm sure a Manhattan specific, or maybe it's a white one. I mean, this is the thing <sighs> who knows yeah. this is, they're really doing a good job of, of, of creating a duality in all these little mysteries where it's not, it's not totally obvious. And that well, frankly I, is the thing I loved about Lost too until noon. Yeah. Um, this could be, this is the source material to do something like ambiguous like that with, yeah. you know, to, to, and, and never to tie them up, you know, never to tie up all the loose ends, just have it, have you have it end. And you're like, well, well where was Adrian Veidt? What's going on? <laughs> like, that would be fine. You know, if we get some payoff from some of the other stuff. Um, I did want to ask you one uh, factual question on this. Like, do you believe keen when he explains that he and Crawford assumed control of, separate groups of the seventh uh cavalry no okay i'm convinced are they are they framing crawford if they're framing crawford then he's really dan dryberg (laughs) like and i say that because what you know it would be a great we they still haven't explained who the policeman is in the picture in his little closet i of the of the mind, it's Hollis Mason, the original Night Owl, and then it's like, well, no, that people are like that's his grandfather. His grandfather's in the clan. I'm like, yeah, but we never see that. We never see that flashback to their relationship, or even that old guy in the show. Like that's it's just an old guy in a picture in a police uniform, and Dan Dryberg literally became Night Owl because Hollis Mason took him under his wing, kind of a you know sort of a surrogate father to him, and and all of this. So it's I'm I'm wondering if that wasn't meant to be where the Night Owl costume was kept. And somebody put the the clan robe there. My guess is, if uh, w- William's her grandfather, right? We, uh, Angela's grandfather, William. Is that right? Uh, I, yeah, yes, Will. Like yeah, yeah. So, if Will is the hooded justice, which I think next week it looks like is just a giant Will, like Will's life flashback scene that Angela gets to experience through nostalgia. Which I thought was a fun, a fun uh, throwback to the books. The there's a perfume in the original text called nostalgia that's kind of a big deal in a certain chapter. Um, mm. But we're gonna find out. We're probably gonna find out for sure that Will was hooded justice. Um, once upon a time, so like he would yeah. know. You know, which he a- could. Oh, go ahead. Which Angela will realize. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Very soon. Yeah, and so like next week, and so it is. If that's the case, it stands to reason he would know. But then why would he frame why would he frame Judd? I'm 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 equally torn because I want him to be Dan Dryberg so badly, but I also want him to be the second guy who comes into Angela's house, who they never explain. Mm. It's never explained. You know, even when she wakes up in the hospital bed, she's not like, who you know, what happened? There was another guy. Cause she, you know, the first guy gets killed and then a second guy comes and pulls a gun on her and she passes out, wakes up in the hospital and you see Judd's face. If that second guy isn't Judd, then what the hell is the point of having that fake out? Like, why have a second guy with no explanation whatsoever as to how she survived the night and the second guy didn't just kill her? Like, I, I don't know. Oh, right, just, right, yeah. I just, I feel like that's probably the case. His, you know, is he working with Keen? You know, maybe eventually. But I just, like, he was the one cop who would never wear a mask. So mm-hmm. it's like, well, he thought he was safe. Or, I don't know, just there's... Yeah. That's I just that that's that's the one thing in this whole show that keeps haunting me because so much leads to him being Dan Dryberg. So much. They still yeah. haven't explained where he just got a night owl ship from, although Lady True's got some, so maybe that's Yeah, yeah. Maybe, I, I maybe feel like that puts loans that to them rest. out. Mm. 
I think it's just that's just like the technology, like the airships that have the advertisements on them and stuff. Oh, fair enough. But, but it um, so much look like the Night Owl ship. I mean, it, it had two two big. Thing. I, I should rewatch it just to make sure I'm not just imagining it to be so. Um, it it definitely resembled it, and I think though I think all those were echoes, you know. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that it was. Yeah, I don't think he's Dan Driver. Um, I mean, it wouldn't. The more I think about it, if this is a very personal story. Yeah. It does seem a little weird to be like, and by the way, he was Night Owl. And it's like, yeah. okay. I mean, she doesn't even know. They made it a point to sh- to tell you she doesn't even know uh, the Watchmen mythos at all. So it wouldn't be like, oh right, my right, God, right. you were him all the... She doesn't even know who Night Owl is, probably. She didn't know who Larry Lori Blake was or why that mattered. Like that, you know, PD had to yeah. basically expository all over, all over that episode and explain. Yeah, exactly. And also, Lori knows and is really quite rude about calling all the <laughs> heroes by their name, their, you know, given names. Um, why do you think that is? Why do you, why do you think she's, because she was, I, why is she such a, a B in this? I don't know. Like the way she made fun of somebody's costume in last night's episode or, or two weeks ago, whatever it was. And I was like, you know, yours was a lot dumber than this. Like sister nights is like actually kind of practical. I love uh, She's like, she's like, okay, mirror guy. You know, I know you know it's looking glass. She's like, yeah, whatever, yeah. mirror guy. I, you know, yeah, I wonder... and it's like you were not even an original name. You were Silk Spectre too. <laughs> well, like, here's the what? thing. She went from Lori Jupiter to Lori Blake. Edward Blake is her father, so she's taking on her father's name now. Yeah. Uh, and and by doing so, is point. taking on more of his. I mean, she's That's acting true. more like him than her mom at this yeah. point. Yeah. And called him her dad, which yeah. is a really weird, weird ass thing to do. I thought. Yeah. Like not not my mother's rapist, you know. But even remember, I mean, in the movie, not so much in the original book, but in the movie, her mother had even sort of she's you know, remember she says that iconic line. She's like, you know, the the future looks grimmer and grimmer, but the past, you know, those it looks brighter and bright. You know, even the right, even the grimy right. stuff keeps looking brighter and brighter. I wonder, you know, the whole point of the book though, in the book and the movie, Doctor Manhattan makes a point to tell Lori, look, you're a miracle because this should. These, you know, this act created you like what an amazing thing. And so I wonder if she just didn't find she finally had enough time in her life to sort of internalize that to where like, you know what? Yeah. And my dad was right. You know, this is kind of all a joke and I'm just going to, you know, that's how I'm going to roll now. You get a little older too. You get a little bit more. Just, you just, you don't give a, you don't care as much. And yeah, uh, it's, I think I, I mean, love it though. I and get, getting jeans, whoever decided to cast Gene smart yeah. in that role. Oh God. I just, I don't know who else you, I mean. No. no one else could have done that character in that way. It's just, yeah. It's, a, it's lovely to see. So here's a question for you. As I'm watching this, I keep thinking, what would Alan Moore say? If he, and I know <laughs> that there's, there's been a lot of attempts to like, be like, Hey, please. No, we're really, we're really honoring the spirit. Would you just, just watch it? Just, just, just see it. And he's like, oh, I'll have nothing to do with that. No, thank you. And so I wonder like, what would he, if he did give it a chance, what would he say? You know, some people think you know, a lot of big true Watchmen fans are like, oh, no, no, this captures the punk rock spirit of Alan Moore perfectly. Um, it's exactly the kind of thing that he would probably enjoy. But then the other part of me is like, yeah, but, you know, what is an adaptation and what is a translation? And are those two things the same? It could be argued that the Watchmen movie, there's the reason it's so divisive is because it is a translation, almost literally, mm. except for maybe the last part and not an adaptation. And I think people, a lot of fans wanted adaptation while, you know, newer fans like myself were like, no, no, just a straight translation was fine. That that was wonderful. Like that's, I got the story. I actually hooked me into the story more than the graphic novel would had I not had that exact, I, I needed that, that sort of taste, taste for it. So I kind of knew how to approach it. And then the book was even more meaningful to me. Um, mm. But I just, I don't, I, you know, and I think back to, we talked in the last watching Watchmen episode there's the before Watchmen series, which for the most part does a really good job. I think is a, is a worthy prequel in a lot of ways. Um, if you're, if there's going to be one, um, you know, I, a lot of people may bristle against that, but conversely, um, doomsday clock is just, I don't know. And, mm. but then somebody else, you know, I was bringing this to, up to a friend and they said, yeah, but doomsday clock is much more of an adaptation in the same way that the HBO series is. So I don't know, like, where, where do you fall on, on this? Like, how do you, how do you feel about adaptations of things that you like, whether two books or, or two comics from shows, et cetera? Hey, that, that's 
such a loaded question. And when you oh, texted <laughs> me earlier today about it, I was thinking of, uh, and I, I forgive me because I know the, I know um, a storm of spoilers podcast addressed that a lot when talking about Game of Thrones and the adapt, you know, what makes a good adaptation and blah blah blah. And I think you and I followed, uh, you know, tried to do our own little uh, reading of that vis a vis Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. um, like about adaptations and. So, yeah, so all that to say, when you texted me, my mind went straight to, like, Game of Thrones and, like, that adaptation. Um, uh, I maybe don't classify it exactly the same way as the person who told you, like, these two things are adaptations. Um, uh, I'm really comfortable with Lindelof's explanation that this is a remix of Mm -hmm. the Watchmen universe. Um, And... And I'm kind of comfortable with that describing before Watchmen 2 and then Doomsday Clock being like borrowed characters or something that would make yeah. it <laughs> would diminish its importance in the canon. Although a lot, um, of, a lot of readers love uh, Marionette and Mime, which I'm just what? like, OK, <laughs> yeah, that, that was my reaction. I was like, Ugh. just the fact I mean, I think everybody's spoilers. Everybody's mind was blown when it was revealed that Mime's gun worked. It's like he's miming a gun. Ha ha ha! Oh God, it just shot somebody. What? Okay. What's going on? That sort of hooked a lot of people into those characters. I could care less. Well, I hate that entire thing. Um, I don't even know what it is, and I hate it. Uh, the, <laughs> I you know, Zack Snyder's adaptation was bound to draw controversy. Mm-hmm. Um, and other than seeing the squid in last night's episode and realizing that that sequence and the Vite speech could have happened at the end of Watchmen and tied it all together. <laughs> like that, other than that, I don't want to like Monday morning quarterback Snyder's, you know, adaptation or his translation. But it like, did make, I had the same thought though, which is like, cause I walked away from the Watchmen movie. I knew the squid ending existed, but I was like, Oh, there's no way they could have pulled that off. After yeah. last night, I'm like, Oh, they could have easily pulled that yeah. off. Like, look at this. This is, God, now I want this. You're so right. And especially, you know, props to Matthew Good or Goody, forget how you pronounce his name, for giving a stab at Adrian Veidt. But when you know that their original casting choice was Jude Law, and you're mm, like, okay, that would have yeah. worked 10 times better. But then I'm like, God, I kind of want this young Jeremy Irons version even <laughs> more. Like, I was one, it's funny, when they showed, I was like, oh, they did de-age him. They gave him a little blonde hair. Yeah. And just, it, he was it was the look from the graphic novel, but he sort yeah. of had this take on it that I never thought. Whenever I read that character, that David Miscavige is not what I imagined. <laughs> and now I'm kind of like, man, that works even better. I think I kind of like this more. So I'm, I may shift my perception of that character now as a result. Like of it's, it. I feel like it's in reverse. Like, <laughs> oh, like Miscavige looked to great <laughs> bad guys in cinema and was like, you know who I, what I should dress like. <laughs> It wasn't even the dress so much as just like the way he was like, he was oh, like, I know. Oh, like just, it had a very, yeah. so it was so matter of fact in just a oblivious smarmy way that I'm like, man, only, only little Miscav, only little David, David M could like equal that. Like in, in sort of just, it was, it was just as off putting as anything. Anytime you watch him talk, just that sort of pompous, just like, oh yes. Oh yes. What I'm saying is exactly correct. And you know, it's just, I just, I, I don't know. Are we to believe that, Robert Redford was president for a while because he's not currently president. I don't right. think in the world. Is he? Do we know? I don't think so. So then how long? Cause if he was president and what, uh, so the Adrian video was for 93. He's like, I'm talking to you from 1985 and it's 1993 where you are. Yes. yes. Yeah. So, so he was president for at least four years. I'm imagining eight. But then was he like another forever president with like Nixon where he just kept going and going? I'm curious if that will be revealed. That's an interesting question. Um, I really want Robert Redford to show up for real in the show. God, (laughs) they don't, they don't pay that off. Opportunity missed. Yeah. Um, So I, I I had, uh, there was something last night. I had one question about, um, Okay, so when Looking Glass, they reveal to him, they show him this video. Keen shows him a video. He says, I saw this when I first got into the Senate, and it blew my mind, and it's about to like change your whole life, and you're not going to be scared of anything again. Mm-hmm. And 
What did you Shows... think it was? Well, before you saw it, what did you think? What were I you thought like, it. I thought it was gonna be something that revealed something about the squid, but I, I, it was like as soon as Adrian Veidt appeared, I was, I was like, oh, you know, like, right, of course. But, um, I, I didn't expect all of that speech, but you know, when Veidt appeared, I, you know, kind of thought like, oh, this is, he's gonna explain the squid somehow. But I, I thought I didn't. I know it's how important gonna though, do. because I, it was never clear until last night how much of Rorschach's journal was actually that's, published. That's exactly where my question was going. That was the big lingering question in my mind. Was like, I don't know why is why he's so blown away if Rorschach's journal had been published. And because if it wasn't published, I, then where did all these guys get the idea to dress like him? Like where did that? But all it, come it was. From? We know from Pedipedia, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. And oh, P- Petey says it on an episode, right? He says, remember, and then they published Rorschach's journal. And like, I think he explains that in his explanation. Um, but oh, maybe when Laurie tells Rorschach, him to explain everything. So he, he drops the journal off before they go to Karnak yep. in the an- Antarctic. So it's, he doesn't know exactly what Vite had planned. I guess that's he just true. Know, he just knows it was something shady. So it was never like, oh, and I know he's going to build like that was the last thing I think any of those guys expected because they got there and they're like, oh, God. And he's like, mm. you know, do it, Dan. I'm not some comic book villain. I did it 30 minutes ago or I, you know, I detonated it 30 minutes ago. So I think maybe that was like the one thing that nobody's truly sure of. But it shouldn't surprise anybody like, look, this guy like we there's this like urban legend about this guy. Now he's been missing. Of course, he's probably responsible in some way, like just it wouldn't, it shouldn't be so mind blowing. I don't think in the in the world. Yeah, I. But you know, on the other hand, they did such a good job of setting up so many elements to it that were driving Wade. You know, like inducing his own paranoia. That I, you know, I I could see. Like if you've believed it for that long, it's like you're not. You know, you've got to see the one person confess it in order to like undo it all. Yeah. And even then, I can see him. Well, even then, he, you know, he throws out his next uh, security system, and then he immediately turns around and gets it out of the garbage. Gets, gets you know, it. so that. it's like he can't even accept what he's just learned. Well, he can't. I mean, it takes a while. When you're, he's kind of addicted, I think, to that life. So it's he's not going to just give it up overnight, even though he's right, disillusioned. Right. You know, once you hold the belief so strongly, so tightly, it's it's not easy just to go. Even if you're shown irrefutable proof. It's like, what do you think Keane's okay? What do you think Keane's endgame here is? So he's trying to, he's clearly aware about the squid thing. Does he think that like repeating that, like it's been 30 years now, the world is in need of another adjustment in that sense? Is that what they're attempting to do? Maybe this, the, uh, it's got to be something like that because his father was the one who was responsible for the original Keen Act, which banned yeah. mask vigilantes. So he, is there some legacy he's trying to carry on? I, it's, he's a big question mark for me, too. He and Judd. But he's responsible for bringing him back. I don't, you know, it's like yeah. a... True, that's weird. true, yeah. I, yeah, I, I think it's a little bit useless now at episode five and what we've seen in the last two episodes to try to speculate at what anyone's up to. <laughs> yeah. But, um... Uh... Uh... I, all I could think of was like, there's maybe this possible twist that they're actually trying to eliminate the seventh cavalry. Like that's the danger to the world right now is like racism. Oh, but I think he was, he was so, uh, not, uh, trustworthy, like in his denunciation of them, you know, like why, why would they even allow him to lead their little group? Yeah. If he's so cavalierly in the next room, you know, from them, calls them racists. Like, that, unless they know, yeah. you know. And, and why, th- why were they going to to kill Wade at the end exactly. of the episode? Exactly. Yeah, we are on the same wavelength. Yeah. It, the episode ends with a bunch of Rorschachs getting out and going into Wade's house. We it's assume like, to go kill him, but maybe they're going to go get him and be like, hey, come with us. <laughs> no, I think they're going to kill him for sure. <laughs> I mean, but it, no, just, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Like, they're, they're <laughs> racking their shotguns, but... Dude, want to go shoot some stuff, Wade? Come on, you're one of us now. Yeah, one of us. Let's throw basketballs through another dimension. Um, I just, but yeah, that is a great question. Yeah, why would they allow him to take control? It just seems, ah. I and I think 
I well, and it's just because I like Don Johnson, but I I kind of I wonder if there's a setup of Crawford going on with the mm-hmm. with the hood, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Although I just I, I don't know because it's Will that plants the clue in Angela's head, like you know everybody's got skeletons in their closet. Yeah, that sends her to look in the closet. Um, yeah, geez, I don't know, but I was so happy to see that. Ah, just all the dimensions of Wade getting explained, you know, from, I, I don't know. It was just like from the current, from the past, from the, you know, his origin story to like the, the present day support group and all of that, I thought was amazing. It's nice when a show knows when certain, even before the character is cast, they know certain characters will be standout characters that the fans will love and they'll build, they'll kind of make you wait for it, but they'll eventually give you a really good payoff for that character. Yeah. It's not like, Oh, fan favorite from season one. We're going to have a like, oh, in season two, just wait till we, what we do with Wade. We're really going to show you like a great example. Better example is um, Aunt Lydia from Handmaid's Tale, who I think when they wrote the character was just supposed to be kind of a, a you know, more of a regular character. And then freaking Ann Dowd rolls in and turns it into a master class <laughs> of acting. And they're like, oh, no, we got her. Now we have to make her more of a central character. Now we have to give her a background story, blah, 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 blah. Which, thank God, because she deserves it, because Ann Dowd, you know, she can just, she could read anything. So I'm wondering, it's, it's, it's nice that they're like, okay, we get Tim Blake Nelson doing this character, but the show knew enough to go, oh, we're going to get, if you're a fan of this guy, just you wait, we're going to give you like a whole thing. That's just all him. And it's going to be, it's going to explain everything Yeah. in a really satisfying way too. Just like Christ, that first opening 10 minutes really, I mean, just the economy of storytelling there. Like, you oh, yeah. just, it's, it was just bravo who was the who wrote that lindelof and carly ray yeah one of the things that was was tripping me out uh last night was like i thought okay there's that huge you know explosion he's in he's in the funhouse the mirrors protect him from the psychic blast somehow rattles him around he walks out everyone's dead what the hell is a young jehovah's witness thinking when (laughs) the thing they believe in just happens in front of them. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's so insane, you yeah. know? Um, Cause I think a lot of, you know, uh, rational secular secularists would just go like, well, there's been some terrible accident, you know, and we will figure out what it is and it will be explained. But to him, it's like everything I've believed my whole life was right. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> like what? <laughs> So. Yeah, and I was just tricked and embarrassed, and yeah, that what a formative experience. I mean, and the fact yeah. that we found a kid actor who kind of who can channel Tim Blake oh Nelson my God, pretty yeah. well. Like I did, they didn't even have to say like, you know, who it was, or like be like, hey, wait, yeah, like exactly. It was just like, oh, I, the second he showed up on screen, I'm like, oh, this is a Looking Glass origin. Cool. Let's see where this goes. Um, <laughs> did you find it interesting too? By the way, kind of in a little aside. In the um, in the uh, American Hero story, Minutemen, like in that sort of oh the, my god, the meta I thing. we haven't talked about that yet. Um, now I there is a whole there. It's alluded to. I actually have the original graphic novel right in front of me. There mm-hmm. is in it. Uh, you know how at the end of each comic, each issue or each chapter, in the case of the novel, there's like you know kind of ephemera, like uh, yes. uh, books and newspaper clippings and all kinds of stuff. There's one about Hooded Justice that does hint at, uh, you know, sort of a gay lifestyle and possible yes. sort of involvement with uh, Captain Metropolis, blah, blah, blah. And then in Before Watchmen, the uh, Minutemen issue, which I highly recommend, the two, the, the two Before Watchmen issues that are just, or volumes rather, that were just unbelievable were the Ozymandias one and then the Minutemen one. And the Minutemen one is drawn to even look like a 1940s comic. It's just, it's so great. But there's a lot about Hooded Justice and... Um, uh, Captain Metropolis. So like that now, scene was not a surprise to me. I was like, Oh my God. I, I just was like, I can't believe they're delving into that now on the show. He delved. Oh yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, it's probably apropos because if we're going to get the whole will download next week, it's like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So he must've had a relationship and it was probably much more subtle than what we saw portrayed in the, you know, in that, but you know, who knows? Um, and did you catch the little uh, quiet moment where Red Scare and uh, the Panda Man are talking and the Panda Man's like, I'm just saying, Hooded Justice is Dr. Manhattan. I did, but I just, I don't. I kind of so... felt like they were playing into 
Like if this were a show that were being produced week by week, I would be like, oh, they absolutely put that in, you know, because they knew that the theorists are out there. But. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I mean, and then there's the fact that Will earlier was like, maybe I'm Dr. Manhattan. And she's like, that's impossible. I think her husband is Dr. Manhattan. I'm just going to, I'm, I'm, I'm really sticking with that. I, and if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I think her husband, um, Angela's husband, I think that is, I think that's John. Hmm. I'm just going to say now. That's going to um, be a big reveal. Well, uh, I was going to ask in the original comic, it doesn't, isn't it, it doesn't comedian like, like, doesn't he brutalize Hooded Justice for being gay or something like that? Isn't there a. <sighs> no. So Hooded Justice comes else? in and breaks. So when comedians rape. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Silk yeah, Spester. So, so Silk, original Silk Spester. Yeah. Silk Spectre part of her like character, they actually paired her up with hooded justice, like as like their celebrity romance. So he was oh, kind right. of, but he was almost kind of like he doubled as her bodyguard because she was like the, her and silhouette were like the two female characters on the team. Um, and she was much more like silk specter was much more of the sort of like Finn Fatale, not even Finn Fatale, but just like the, uh, I don't know. She was the less, she's the one that needs the body. Like if she, yeah, yeah, yeah. Get, like if if silhouette was Billie Eilish, then Silk Spectre was oh, where like is this going? Britney. <laughs> Silk Spectre was Katy Perry. There we go. That is a better way to do it. So it's like you know she's a little bit more front and center in a sexualized way compared to silhouette. Let's just that's what I'm getting at. So right. I think I think Hooded Justice was kind of paired with her, which is why he catches comedian, uh, you know, trying to rape her. Um, but then later on, remember, correcting an earlier thing that we said, he doesn't. Comedian doesn't rape Silk Spectre to create Lori. Like he attempts to rape her, it's foiled. They have a relationship for real later on. Like uh, just a real like, and then um Right, right, right. You're she right. makes like Lori's adopted father, she just pretends is like the real father. And they kind of keep, you know, she and the comedian kind of keep that whole thing a secret. Yeah. Or her and Edward Blake. Anyway, I don't know where I'm going with any of that, but uh that's I just I'm inter- I'm interested in seeing kind of how they're using this American hero story as a Tales of the Black Freighter sort of insert. Yeah, and it was especially brutal last night. I mean, that was uh, intense. I mean, it was, you know, like graphic. And then yeah. to have that at the moment of the drill <laughs> for for Wade's drill on uh, the squid, you know, alarm like, holy shit, like what yeah. the hell, man? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I can't think I, it might be, it might be all we can say about it for now. I think it just, I'm, there's four yeah. more to go. This extraordinary being an almost religious awe, a God walks into a bar and see how they fly. Mm, okay. I kind of, I, I would say I kind of hope Dr. Manhattan does not make an appearance. Not even kinda. I really hope that we don't see him at all. Hmm. And I'm not saying that as a prediction or anything, just a hope. Like I, yeah. I would like for this to all exist without a blue God, you know? What if he's shown, but has no influence over the central story? I, I just don't want to see him anymore. I don't actually like that character at all. I don't, I don't, I don't even <laughs> think he works in Watchmen, the original one. And like just all superheroes that have godlike abilities, I think are, uh, they're just, I think they're just kind of, I don't know. There's not the interesting genius, to me, but the genius of that character in the original there, text is, is, uh, I keep saying the original text, like it's the Bible, the original. Yeah. Text. Um, the genius of that character was here, are all these people with midlife crises running around, putting on costumes and stuff, pretending that they're superheroes. And then he's the, he's really one. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And he's one who's increasingly at odds with his own, you know, his former humanity. Um, right. It's just, that's, if there's I, a way to leverage that in this story, that might be interesting. Yeah, I, 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 I can't deny that it is that he is written interestingly, you know, but um, I just don't like the concept of it, yeah. you know. But you just but, don't yeah, like yeah, that right. blue hog hanging down there every time he comes on in. <laughs> Saints, just there, there it is, a swinging, I, <laughs> swinging were, and a swinging. He could, he could have the blue, the. I don't even want to call it a blue hog. <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't even bother me if he weren't like a god. I think that's yeah. the thing that's just so 
distressing about it all. Yeah, he is kind of omni. There's, there's not even a weakness at all. No. At all. Like, he can go forward and backwards in time. He can He's impervious to anything. Yeah, it is. Hmm. It's hard. It's hard to. Uh, I, I don't know. It's hard to know where what to if, go with that. Oh, know? my God. What if this is like a Battlestar Galactica where we find out that this timeline was what when Dr. Manhattan left Earth, he went and created like a new Earth that evolved uh, you know, <laughs> over the this. course of natural time. And it's this. And like the whole thing ends with like, you know, very terribly, like something they blow up Tulsa or something and it pans back. And it's Dr. Manhattan standing, you know, standing you know, off in the space, just watching, going, <sighs> and then like <laughs> it's happened before it'll happen again and then just like that's and then it's that's it and then it's well, like oh now we know how season two will happen it'll just be like a whole reset again we're just gonna keep going through this until we <laughs> i mean why not I, I do like the idea like you the sort of is behind all this. That, yeah that um like you sort of suggested that you know when dr manhattan said i'm gonna go try to create life instead of ending it or whatever yeah. and that that he is so imperfect at that that all he can come up with are these clones that are like born underwater and have to be incubated and you know well, like I've, I have another crazy theory i think the clones by the way are clones of john and his uh first wife what the hell's her name um, oh oh that totally makes sense actually. because i was watching i was re-watching the episode where vite has the little play yeah yeah and i was like you know if these are people, if these clones are created by uh, uh, Dr. Manhattan in some way, it'd be interesting if they were just like, if they just looked like him and yeah. his uh, Jane, Jane. No, I don't know. Something. Um, now I gotta look that up. I feel bad for not remembering. I'm looking it up. Keep talking. Um, but so it'd be interesting. Like, so we see like them reenact this thing, but it's actually, you know, the physical representations for real of those same people. It'd just be kind of interesting if like, you know, we see, at the end that that's just, you know, that is kind of what he ended up creating with stuff that just was him, but was stuff that he yeah. knew. Yeah. Janie. Janie. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think that that totally fits. And it's kind of interesting. Like, I wonder if he's putting the play on to taunt Dr. Manhattan, like if Dr. Ah. Manhattan's watching or something, you know, but yeah. I don't think that fits. Cause then he would probably put a stop to the save me plan and all that. I think, um, yeah, I think he was just left out there. Dr. Manhattan's on Mars. We all know that like accepted to but be now true. i'm starting to doubt that <laughs> i'm starting to doubt that like we've only seen that satellite footage and i'm wondering yeah. if that's i mean that could be a we know no, dr manhattan can duplicate himself that's clear so maybe it's just like a you know kind of a facsimile duplicate while he's on earth i mean i think i'm convinced he's no. on earth i'm convinced he's either angela's husband or the kid or the kid yeah that's those are those are my i'm, I'm placing hard money on it i want to be I, I want to be right damn it mm. I'm gonna I come back a, and play. I hope that, the kid is is Superman's son. <laughs> he never got a, a good enough shake in Superman Returns, you know. God, <laughs> this whole is just a giant back end, like connecting point to Superman Returns. Like, hey, by the way, hey Brian Singer, this is for you. It's like, oh God, yeah, really? <laughs> yeah. It's for While you. we're at it, we're gonna fix the Phoenix, <laughs> Dark Phoenix saga. Brandon Ralph walks in. Like, hey, it's, I'm Clark Kent here to cover the events in Tulsa. It's like, oh God, they're really oh doing this. That's that why was... that's the episode of God walks into a bar. That's what happens. Clark Kent walks into the bar. <laughs> it's like, holy crap! See how they fly? It's just a Superman episode. We've just abandoned yeah. Watchmen at that point. It's just about Superman flying around, saving people. <laughs> it ends. He winks at the camera and waves, and <laughs> the yeah, show just perfect ends. curl in his hair. And then, and then Damon Little laughs, and that is how you do Watchmen. <laughs> and that's the last we hear from him. I, that's let's let's end it there. I think that's all. That I agree. Said. We can't do anything more. <laughs> no. Uh, for more episodes like this, you can go find our feed at panelism.ink. That's panelism.ink. Also, find us on Instagram. We're panelism.ink there too. And you can find all our shows and episodes and previous things and, and all that at those at those places or wherever you find podcasts. Subscribe, share, and tell your friends. For some reason, you were uh, breaking up on me, so I, I think we should just try it one more time, which is for me. <laughs> Alright. Three, two, one. We know. Oh, I thought we were listening to it again. Oh, no, no. Just you and me. Oh, no.